the Sports Career Podcast, episode 214, How to Get Hired Working in Sports. Hello Sports Achiever and welcome to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. Before I talk about this week's special guest, I would love you to subscribe to this show if you are a loyal listener or if this is your first time to the show. If this show is helpful with regards to your sports career development, please like the show, please give it a rating and I hope this show can serve you with regards to your sports career development. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Brian Rezepa. Brian is the author of Your Hide, A Guide to Work in Sports. In his new book, which is brilliant by the way, he interviews sport college coaches and directors about the application process when applying for high-level sports positions. So I hope this podcast will serve you well because we dig deep about his book and what his biggest learning lessons when interviewing these people who have got these high positions in the sports industry. And it's great to have Brian as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Brian will share his sports grid journey and explain to you how you can get hired when working in sport relating to his new book. Brian, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please just share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I guess, you know, it really started, I guess, as just being a fan of sports. Um, I've been a fan of sports my entire life. Uh, I guess I have my dad to blame for that. Uh, so unfortunately, huge fan of sports. And as that kind of went on, I had gone through college and it started off as a bit going for a business degree and ended up uh, going for a degree in sports management. And so, you know, as I went out throughout that process, I had had the opportunity to work in sports and minor league baseball. Um, and so I worked for a, an affiliate of the Detroit Tigers for a couple of years. And so just kind of going through that process myself and having worked in it and having had like the educational background, I guess from that aspect, I was interested of, you know, how to kind of advance my career to get these top levels of the field. But then even just from a fan's perspective, I was just kind of curious as to, you know, how do these athletic directors and coaches get their uh, get their roles? And so, yeah, just, I guess, went about uh, talking to about 15 to 20 different people and kind of getting their insights. And so I think from the aspect of someone that wants to work in sports, it's probably a good uh, a good guide. But uh, also just for this fan of sports as well, just, uh, you know, curiosity as far as the things that go beyond the field. Absolutely. And before we talk about your book, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I'm going to give the the listeners a bit of a hint that we'll be talking about your latest book, which I'm really intrigued. I've had the pleasure to read. And it, you spoke about briefly about the people you've interviewed, of how, how they got to where they are in the coaching world or being a GM. Just going back, though, for the listeners who are students, you said it really clear. Out of interest, how's your sports management degree and getting that experience have helped you hand in hand? I'm just really intrigued on that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, the, the lessons that I learned throughout going through like the formal education process were super invaluable as I kind of, you know, made my way within the industry itself. 
Um, I think that, you know, especially within an, an industry like the sports industry, which is so heavily relationship based, there's really nothing that can kind of beat on the job, real world experiences. And so luckily enough through, uh, you know, my education, I was able to uh, do like mentorships and things of that nature as part of the curriculum. So I think that was super crucial, um, you know, just to not only to kind of figuring out where I fit within it, uh, but, you know, if deciding that if this was the right path for me and, you know, luckily it was. Uh, so, uh, you know, I definitely highly recommend anyone that wants to go within it to, you know, work in a program and go to school in a program rather that, you know, affords you the opportunity to have those real world experiences as part of your curriculum. Just touching on the mentor bit, I've actually done a, like a whole podcast episode of mentors because they've influenced me throughout my career journey. Just touching on what you just said, how is having mentors supported you? with your career development? Yeah. So, I mean, even as things change and whatnot, and there's different developments within the industry, ultimately, you know, you're going to come across things that people before you have come across countless times before. So just kind of being able to rely upon, you know, someone who's been through it before and someone who kind of understands, you know, your way of thinking, you know, it's, it's just invaluable and it helps you not get kind of too bogged down within it. Um, you know, sports in general can be extremely difficult especially within the early years of your career you know you're in many cases you're working extremely long hours for very little pay and so you know you, you do have to have not only that commitment to you know deciding that this is what you want but you do need that support system in place to kind of help you solve the different problems and challenges that you face and even if it's not a challenge it's just you know how did you deal with this particular situation? It's just, there's an infinite amount of um, ways in which a solid mentor can impact you. And, you know, I definitely recommend to anyone um, to definitely link up and network uh, so that you're able to have that kind of support system in place. Absolutely. It's no point reinventing the wheel if you know somebody who's been there before. Just on that point, like you've talked about your sports management degree, you know, some of the topics are so broad. You've got the sponsorship, you've got, you know, being in the management of a department. You know, sometimes when we learn something, especially me doing a degree as well, you learn so much in a broad sense. Out of interest, how have you found niching down in a particular sector of the sports industry that has supported you in your sort of decision-making of whatever you want to do in the sports industry? Does that make sense? Because I think a lot of time this can be very overwhelming, but then when we niche down, our decisions become clearer in what we actually want to do and love. That makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, especially, you know, within the U.S. here, um, you know, as sports budgets for athletic departments continue to kind of decrease over the years and just kind of schools in general kind of decrease over the years, um, it, it can be tough for to really to be able to narrow yourself down. You know, we have athletic directors that are running schools um, that are having to take on so many different roles and they're having to wear so many different hats and it's, you know, not necessarily something that they had planned upon. But as far as, I guess, narrowing yourself down, um, you know, I think that there is value in that. And I mean, you should have a couple of skills that you can really rely upon, whether it be, you know, your communications background or your sales background, something like that. But I mean, I think that, you know, a, a true skill to have for someone, if you want to really ascend up the ladder within the sports industry, you know, you, you really need to be able to not only, I guess, you don't have to be an expert in every, um, every avenue, but you do need to be willing to do, um, you know, what it takes to kind of help your organization and succeed, whatever that may be. And so, you know, while I might enjoy something that's, you know, based in communications or something like that, you know, there, there might be, a, 
the circumstances may call for me to work more in operations and event management and things like that. And I think that, you know, it just, you, you do need to be willing to be, to wear any hat necessary. And, you know, it's tough as things kind of move forward here with, uh, with COVID and whatnot, you know, you're, athletic departments budgets are dropping even further and so people are being asked to do even more and you know i hope that as we kind of move forward we do get more resources in place where you know you're not having to work the job of three people but you know like that unfortunately is just the reality right now and i did um you know it's just i guess a testament to the sports industry you just have to be willing to do what it takes uh, absolutely. Out of interest, with your first couple of internships, because I've done some in the past and you learn so much, actually, you may not, <clears throat> as you say, get the pay, but you certainly understand how the industry works. Would you mind just sharing an example when you were in an internship, you thought this isn't really for me, but being there just opened up more doors, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, especially going through it and then with writing the book as well, um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things that I learned is, you know, you you tell people, oh, yeah, I work in sports. And, you know, people just automatically assume that, oh, well, you're working with all these big name athletes. You're working. It's so cool. You get to work with the game all day. But I mean, I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned was how often how little working in sports has to do with actual sports. Um, you know, you're working so far away, you're at times so far removed from uh, the game itself. You know, there's there was times when I was working in minor league baseball that I could go the entire day without seeing the actual game. You know, I was just working here. I was working there and just kind of being all over the place. So I think that that's something that people really need to be prepared for as well. You know, it's not necessarily uh, this glamorous field and it doesn't have uh uh, a lot of what people expected to have, but I think that you know, going through that myself and kind of readjusting my own expectations really kind of helps. And I think that again, it just goes to the point of you know, really needing to go through that real world experience to to figure out if it's good for you. And you know, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to or going through it and deciding that you don't want to work in sports. You know, it's it's fine to just want to watch the game. Uh, on the weekend, turn it off after three hours, and that's your involvement with sports. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think that once you do go through it, you will definitely learn some lessons. And like I said, you know, just in my case, learning how often how little uh, working in sports has to do with sports. Well, I've said this in the past on my show. I think it's just a different perspective of when you look at sport. I don't know about you. There's times when even my interview show, I'm like, I feel like I'm distant away of the end product, which is the athletes on the sports field. I want to touch on, before we talk about your book, just from your experience, what core skills have supported you reflecting now with regards to being involved in the sports industry? Yeah, so I think that uh, one of the top ones has to be considered communications at really every level, whether it be, you know, just in traditional written communications or, you know, like I said, with the being a relationship business, you know, just being able to network and being able to communicate with people clearly. Um, I think that that's a huge thing, not only for your, your I guess, the advancement of your career, but for your success in whatever position you're in currently. Um, beyond that, I think that, you know, continuing to work towards your preparedness um, and kind of just being forward thinking in how to do so. Um, I guess for coaches, you know, one of the things that I included within my book um, was there's an appendix at the end, which is a basically a template for a coaching portfolio. And so what that kind of looks like is, you know, 
you should really just be continuing to map out your vision for what you want to look like as a coach. You know, what are your core beliefs as a coach, what, as it pertains to the on the field stuff, how you work with students and athletes, how you work with parents, how you work with the community, things like that. And so I think by, you know, continuing to reevaluate yourself, you're going to continue to grow and, you know, kind of reaffirm to yourself who you are as a coach and who, you know, you want to be. And so I think that, you know, a combination of those things, just, you know, communicating well, um, staying on the ball and committing to improving yourself. That's, I mean, going to help you with that, within any field, but especially within sports. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I want to touch on as well, because it's in your book, and we're going to talk that right after this, but we go come across this word so much. It's about the people in the industry. We come across that word networking. How do you define networking in the sports industry? What does, how do you define it with regards to how you communicate in the sports industry? Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's just, it really is just a constant thing that you need to do. I mean, um, one of the things that, again, it was a common point throughout it was how often interviews are landed by people in, in top positions based on the people that they know and based on them getting themselves out there. And so as far as networking goes, as it pertains to, you know, someone that's trying to break into the industry. Um, personally, it's a little bit tougher for me currently because, you know, I enjoy doing like in-person events and things like that. And obviously that's just not a reality right now, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, I think that one of the bigger things that you need to be looking towards doing right now is just, uh, you know, boosting your online presence. And so, you know, working with people, just reaching out, I think that, you know, for the most part, at least from what I've encountered, everyone within the industry is pretty much willing to help. You know, obviously times are tougher right now with a, a limit on the amount of free time that's available. But, um, you know, I think just by reaching out, just a simple, you know, reaching out, hey, I'm looking to break into the industry, just if you have any tips for me. And I think beyond once you make that initial contact in which many people are willing to do, you really need to work to establish and maintain that relationship for the future. Um, one of the things, even outside of the writing the book, is one of the things that I've heard is that, um, you know, after that initial contact, there's really no follow up from like 90% of people. So, you know, continuing to build that relationship, being genuine, and I guess looking at your focus of, you know, creating these contact and networking opportunities, people know when they're being used or when you're trying to, I guess, use them for something. So, you really don't, you really shouldn't be looking at, you know, making this connection just to forward your own career. You know, I might be in contact with someone who would never be able to help me get a job, but that doesn't mean that that person is useless to me. And, you know, you, you really need to treat people, um, you know, genuinely. So I think that that's just something to, to keep in mind. And that uh, even a, even just a conversation does not need to be a how can you, what can you do for me kind of conversation. So I think that that is uh, something that is just kind of runs true throughout is just being genuine with people. You can see the big smile on my face, Brian, because now I'm going to explain to listeners how we got connected. And hopefully what you said, it relates to what you've just said, but Brian reached out to me about his new book and I was really intrigued, checked it out on Amazon. It's coming out soon. And then I went, look, any possibilities just to read a few chapters when he went, no, I'll have to send you the full book. And I've read it literally went through it in a weekend and I wanted him to share his journey, his book on the show. And I'm definitely keeping this conversation going because this is how it works. Like there's a phrase I use, Brian, is add value, add value, then ask. It's like the uh, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, sort of jab, jab, hook, you know, in the social media. I've just changed it in regards to don't think about yourself, just see where you can add value. So the, hopefully the listeners or the viewers can see 
that this is how it is in the sports industry. Like when we meet in person, it'll be a different thing. But from the get go, it's just building that conversation out of interest. Does that relate to what you just said? Absolutely. And I think that that is something that, again, is even more important now as far as adding value. Um, you know, like I said, with with athletic department budgets dropping, there is this increased workload that's getting put on people. So anywhere that you can kind of lend a hand and, you know, maybe you have experience in a particular area, um, you know, anywhere you can lend a hand, just, you know, reach out and do that. You never know. Um, you know, you shouldn't be expecting that you're going to get a favor from them down the road. But, you know, if you continue, to, if you continue to put yourself out there and to provide value for people, you know, the word is going to spread. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's relationship-based business. So, um, you know, you just, you continue to make these, this value for people. And, you know, eventually that will, will, will end up working out for you one way or the other. So let's get straight to it, Brian. What inspired you to write your book? And could you explain to listeners what the book's name and the purpose of the book as well? Yeah, so it's called You're Hired, A Guide to Working in Sports. And so more or less, I guess it just provides a roadmap for people on, you know, how people land interviews, how people get started within the industry, how the actual interview process looks like. And then even just beyond that, I guess, what the day-to-day life of these people in top roles looks like. And so, you know, as I had mentioned with having that educational background in sports and having worked in professional sports, you know, I just was kind of curious as to how to kind of move up the ladder and, you know, for the sports fans that aren't looking to work within sports, it just provides a little bit of context for, you know, what these jobs actually entail. And I guess to, you know, the point of, you know, how little oftentimes how little it has to do with sports. And so I think that, you know, kind of coming out of this, you'll you'll definitely get a, a guide for working in sports, obviously. But I think you'll great you'll gain a greater perspective and a greater appreciation for the for all the work that, um, you know, these coaches and athletic directors and general managers have to do on a daily basis. Just by the way, I have read it and <clears throat> this book is applicable to any area of the sports industry. But with regards to coaches, I want to stick to this niche because I do feel a coaching path is a bit different to working in a business environment. Like I'll give an example, not to like I want you to talk about because you've written this book, but I've learned with coaches as many years they build their philosophy in coaching. And then they have to deliver the results of success that draws eyeballs from these bigger clubs for them to get these bigger positions. It's just sort of a, a, a theme I read in your book. So I'm now going to go backwards now, like re-engineer this. We're, we're speaking to a young coach just graduated from university. Like, what's that first step? And hopefully we can go up that ladder of that journey. Is that cool with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like to put you on the spot because it's such a fascinating book. So what's the journey from a graduate student who wants to be a top coach start from there. Yeah. So I think that especially within the coaching industry, you know, you're going to be looking for a graduate student. You might be looking at like a graduate assistant kind of role with um, whatever school it may be. And from that point, I mean, depending on where you're at with your grad assistant uh, position, then you're going to move into kind of more of that, that first real assistant role where you're getting paid. Um, but I think that one of the things to know, even right out of the gate, is that, you know, as we had mentioned, you know, you got to be able to to provide value to coaches. And, you know, there are, you know, you can help them run various camps throughout the summer or whatever it may be, even if it's not an official role. Uh, so just getting your getting yourself out there and, you know, again, providing value to people. But I think one of the key things to really um, focus on is that, you know, even though this is an extremely competitive industry and there's just not 
really a ton of opportunities out there. Even with that in mind, you really do need to be selective with the opportunities that do come about. You know, if you have a couple of offers, really just make sure that you're um, going with one that fits what you want to be as a coach and with uh, an organization that lines up with your values. Because ultimately, you're going to start being judged by um, you know those, and you're if you're starting off on the wrong foot or you're starting off in an organization that doesn't you know share those the values that you do. Um, you know, it's just going to set yourself up for failure and it may ultimately stunt your career, um, at even just in the early going. So, you know, I think that, you know, as a, a younger coach, again, it's just, there's, there's numerous opportunities and, you know, especially at the high school level, uh, at least within the United States, there's just not a ton of money for, uh, for coaches out there. So just being able to, you know, be open and willing to, uh, to volunteer, unfortunately, um, it's, it's tough and, you know, it, it does create an aspect of, um, you know, exclusion just because, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to be able to not work for pay. Um, so it, it's tough, but you know, that's kind of just the reality of the industry, unfortunately. Yeah. So I want to go in depth on this point for the listeners, this volunteer bit, it is not like a two to three interview process. I'm talking about your book because I'm going to, I'm trying to make it easy for the listener going, well, if you're just starting out there probably won't be a two to three interview process. It's all about turning up regularly and making a damn good first impression. Is that right, Brian? Yep, absolutely. I would 100% agree. Cool. So getting to that next step, now they're that assistant, they've sort of got their stripes in regards to the coaching world. This is the, the bit which I really want to decode a little bit because it's all relevant to your book is that assistant going to head coach. So that is, um, that's a jump that can take, you know, years and years to actually, uh, to attain, you know, one of the, I opened the story, uh, the book up with a story about a college football coach who after around a decade from coaching around the world, uh, finally got his first, um, head coaching opportunity. It was with an, a relatively small kind of unknown school. And so even with that, you know, he was over the moon, excited about it. And, you know, with that being said, I think that, you know, to make that jump from assistant to a head coaching position, you know, you really do need to be able to sell your vision to someone, to, to an organization. And, you know, as I had mentioned before, you know, you need to know what your vision is to be able to sell it to someone. If you don't know yourself and you don't know your core beliefs, then you're, there's no way you're going to be able to communicate that. And there's no way you'll be able to sell yourself on that. And so I guess kind of, that is one of the bigger things kind of moving forward is that you, it is, I mean, you're, you, you do need to sell yourself and you do need to be true to yourself with that being said, you know, you don't want to go into a situation where, you know, you're agreeing to do various things as a coach that, you know, doesn't line up with your core beliefs. Cause again, regardless of what your beliefs are, you're going to be judged upon what you agree to in the interview. So I uh, you know, again, just being true to yourself, things like that. But, you know, I think the major thing and the major key of jumping into uh, from the assistant to the head coach is, again, it comes down to networking, um, you know, being able to rely upon this, uh, these amount of resources and uh, people that you've built uh, over the years who, who would be able to, um, you know, stand as a good reference, regardless of the organization. Um, you know, again, working on that portfolio where you're developing those core values and core strengths, because you're going to, again, you're going to be selling yourself to your, to the organization. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that those would be pretty much the, the, the two biggest things. Um, you know, there, there are opportunities out there to be a, a head coach through whatever level it may be. 
Um, but again, that it, it takes a ton of work to get to that point and a ton of um, redefining yourself and defining yourself as a coach. And, um, you know, it's just, again, something that you need to be continually working on. Also time as well. I think, you know, I call it doing the reps and, and this relates to our career journeys as well. I, I've only been in this gig for five years, you know, you know, some of these coaches or other people have got 10 to 15 and it's doing those reps, but particularly coaching, it's more, as you said, defining yours, coaching philosophy and results. Like we're in this, you know, the sports industry is about one word in a way is winning in and, and delivering what you're good at. Now, last stage, I want to go from that general manager to then that director, because this, I, I've, got, I've got a long way to go, but what I'm saying is this is the stage which it's a different league of interviews. It's, I would call it a totally different uh, recruitment process. I would call this more of a recruitment process than starting out. Does that make sense? Like, so would you mind doing this final stage? So imagine uh, we've got a head coach position who ends up want to be a director. Would you mind just uh, sharing like the importance of preparing for interviews? It's, it's a process. It's not just one good referral. There are stages. And um, yeah, I'm going to give you the mic now on that sort of final stage. Yeah. So, I mean, this is then you're, you're jumping from a position where you're moving from a head coach or, you know, whatever it may be to really going to be the face of the organization. And you're going to be the person that's instilling this culture, this organizational culture within this organization. And so, you know, with that being said, the level of preparation is really just ratcheted up even further. You know, you're going to be running an entire organization. And so you look at an athletic director who's in charge of the sales department, the fundraising department, the event management uh, department, you know, you're in charge of so many different aspects and elements of an organization. And so the preparation for that is just so expansive and so massive. Um, so with that being said, you know, one of the biggest keys to success in these kind of interviews is that level of preparedness, knowing the organization that you're going to be going into, knowing their values, knowing who you're going to be interviewing with, and then I guess with that being said, you know, you don't need to have the answers for everything because not everyone does have the answers for everything. It'd be impossible to. Um, but just, I mean, being able to willing to admit where you don't know and where you'll probably need additional education and things like that, uh, just an ad, ad, additional experience, uh, things like that is, is pretty big. But as far as like the interviews themselves, you know, they can vary pretty greatly. And I think that, you know, going throughout the book, there were different stories of, you know, people that uh, they would have to meet with, um, you know, teachers within a particular university, um, how they would deal with academic issues and things like that. Um, obviously, would be working with like the sports team, the sales team, things like things of that nature. But then also meeting with the community and being prepared to answer for, you know, your plan of how do you plan to, you know, enmesh yourself and enmesh the organization within the community. And so I think that that's those are all things that need to be considered. But then you look at a story um, like Jack Ferreira, who was um, running a couple of hockey teams. And, you know, he had worked as an assistant general manager for probably around 10, 15 years at least. And, you know, he, he really never expected that the, the call would eventually come to be, be actually running his own organization. But, you know, his interview process was, was over the course of days. And I think that, you know, it's, it's tough for people to conceptualize at, at lower levels, it's, just, it's tough to imagine an interview lasting for days because, you know, you go in for a job interview, it lasts a half hour, an hour, and that's the end of it. Um, but said, but with roles like these, you know, you, you are the face of a 
oftentimes multi-million dollar organization. And so your decisions are going to be impacting the, the lives of, of countless people. So again, you just need to really just, uh, I really just realize the weight of uh, the decisions that you'll be making and make sure that you come to the table knowing, you know, who you are, who, who the organization is and how you're going to, you know, line those things up for the success of the organization ultimately. Well, absolutely. It's pretty much with all the board members and all the big key decision makers right at the top. Just with the guys like Jack Ferrer, as you know, that's one of my favorite stories with regards to the interview process. Just to give you a little insight, everybody, because this is what I liked about it. As much as he was prepared, it was uh, it was the third day, the end of the third day. We meant to have a fourth day and he just got up going, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And he goes, I need to go. And he goes, what do you mean? Well, you know, I think I've answered all your questions. I can't add any more and I don't have a fourth suit. <laughs> and it was only, it was literally that bit of subtle humor. He got hired that evening. And I think what I'm saying is, and I don't know about you, Brian, but I've done interviews in the past and they've been shocking, but it's only when I, I treat every communication, even with you, like an interview, every person I meet, I treat it like an interview. So when it comes to an interview, hopefully I'll be prepared, of course, and you do that extra legwork, but there comes a point where, it comes down to those people skills. It goes down to that bit of humanity. And with Jack's story, it just shows you can be perfect on a piece of paper with your, you know, your CV, your cover letter, your preparation, but actually people want to trust you. And, um, and I want to lead to this next step. Now they get the role. The one thing I've learned with your, um, your book from quite a range of uh, your interviews that some of them weren't hundred percent prepared for that role. Like some of your stories, some of the coaches weren't ready for the financial aspect of that role it was just a key thing they, they didn't realize how much work so the coaching element of let's say with the players really was irrelevant at these top positions it was all about the budgeting uh, they almost had to be like an accountant so the point I'm getting to I'll get to my question but I was trying to paint the picture that you're never going to be prepared for your job 100% I think that's the point I'm you could go through that whole process land it and there's you're going to learn new things so just for relating to your career and relating to your book, how, how have you learned all these lessons from these coaches that at the end of the day, when they got that role, they weren't prepared for some of their roles in their job description, if that makes sense? Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that that's just, it's just going to be the case regardless of, you know, you could be this perfect candidate that has excellent experience and whatnot, but if you've never actually, you know, ran an organization yourself, you're, there's no way that you can be fully prepared for all the things that you're going to face. It's just, you know, a constant, a constant flow of, um, of different things that you'll have to experience. I think that, um, you know, kind of realizing that you don't need to have all of the answers is I think a big, a big step. And I think a big realization, you know, people get hired onto these roles and they think that they need to, I guess, be the savior and have, uh, you know, be the be the resource for every question that someone has. But, you know, as you'll find throughout the course of the book, a lot of people had come to say that it really took them at least a year or so to kind of get comfortable within the role and to kind of, you know, feel like they, they really know what they're doing. And so I think just coming to that realization and then I guess pushing the ego aside and being ready to, you know, being willing and ready to learn and know that you don't have all the answers is kind of a huge step. And I think that, you know, one of the bigger things, and we've, we've touched on it previously, is that that's when your support system and, and your, and, uh, you know, your network that you've built, that's when it's really going to come into play. You know, you, you, you speak with people that, um, you know, have more knowledge than you, that have, 
uh, more experienced that have been on the job before, uh, le- learning how they handled various situations and how you know you can take that advice that they give you and mold it in a way that fits within your core beliefs. You know, that's just really going to be crucial. And you know, like you have said before too, it is a time thing. <laughs> you know, it, it there there's no way that you can know all the things that you're going to need to know. So just again being being willing to admit that you don't know something, being able to rely upon people that do have that experience is just going to be, you know, great for your mental health, not only, but, um, you know, just for your, your success overall, um, you know, running an organization. Absolutely. Out of interest, Brian, what have you enjoyed the most from what you've written in that book? So I think, I mean, just, it's tough to, to pinpoint, um, you know, just one or two things, but I think just going through the process myself and, I guess, kind of feeling um, validated, you know, in each of the people that I had spoken to, um, you know, they had kind of made made reference or made note of, you know, how valuable um, a book like this could be as kind of a layout and a, and a roadmap. And so it has been great to, to kind of have that kind of feedback and to kind of go through that and hear from people in the industry that, you know, it would be of value just because, you know, again, it, it is often not like what is portrayed as. So I think to, to be able to provide that inside look is uh, something that I've really enjoyed. Cool. Well, I, I call it behind the scenes look, because when I read it, a lot of the time we just don't see that behind the scenes of what goes on. Um, now, getting back to your career now, out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most looking back? So, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think that one of the, one of the biggest elements of it, again, is, you know, you, you go into this and you're in an environment where, again, you're working long hours, you're not making a ton of money. But I think that the relationships that you make along the way are, you know, invaluable. You know, I, I've made quite a few relationships on a, on a personal basis. You know, you're, you're going through an experience that is pretty unique overall. And so to be able to work with like-minded people and to be able to work with this group of people that are going through the exact same thing as you and often have similar goals as you, it's just a really unique experience. And I think that, you know, it's definitely one of the more enjoyable and rewarding parts of the, the sports industry. And I think that, you know, beyond that, you know, like I said, even with, you know, what can be the struggles of it, it can often become, it can often be, you know, incredibly rewarding, you know, when something that you've been working on pays off and, you know, you actually can look where you can't necessarily in a, in a traditional business role or a traditional role outside of the sports industry, you can look and see this was actually a win. There's an, a, a verifiable win here. So, um, you know, it's, it, that's a great part of the sports industry. And I think that, you know, again, it can be very rewarding and, you know, the people that you work with are, are generally going to be, um, you know, definitely some of the, the greater parts of it. Absolutely. I, I get that response a lot and I can relate that as well. It is all the people you meet. It is all about the conversations, but it's the conversations that lead to exciting opportunities later on. It doesn't mean job, I, mean, I just mean opportunities of podcasts, content creation and stuff like that. Like I haven't got to, I haven't got to the States yet, but you're on my list of when I do go go over that pond it's a must do thing because it is a people thing i know it's difficult with covid and virtual is helpful to a point with tech but really it is that face to face that makes things more concrete but look i've really enjoyed this chat i've really enjoyed your book there will be a link below where people can get access to it now i feel like we're at a great stage of the interview we'd like to finish with an inspirational question we've really have in this podcast decoded sort of the pillars 
of pursuing a career in the sports industry, the volunteering, the communication, the networking, the grind, putting the hours. So there's quite a lot there. So if you haven't taken notes already, rewind and re-listen. But just from a graduate student, because we both have that similarity of doing a sports degree, what would be your first step when starting a career in the sports industry? What three tips would you give to a sports graduate moving forward with regards to their passion in the sports industry? Yeah, so I mean, I think that um, just being open and willing to learn and being willing to do do things that are outside of, I guess, your comfort zone are going to be pretty crucial um, towards your success, whatever, you know, that may look like. Um, so, you know, may, like maybe you do think that you want to work in communications or something like that, but there, there's an organization that needs help within event management or something or facilities management. You know, just being willing to go out of your comfort zone and grow your skill set beyond what it already is and beyond what you think it needs to be. You know, again, you're you're going to be wearing so many different hats. So having experience all across the board is going to be crucial. Um, you know, I think the other thing, I mean, I think that the other thing would probably be, you know, working on your communication skills, um, working to become a better writer, working to become, um, you know, better at, you know, interpersonal communication, just working one-on-one with people um, and being able to communicate your ideas, uh, whether it be verbal or, um, you know, written or, you know, again, whatever, whatever it may be, that just, again, part of developing that skill set that is going to be crucial towards you moving forward. And, you know, I think that the closing thing, I guess the the third thing would be, um, you know, as we've touched on before, and as I touched on the book is one of the, the major takeaways of the book is again, just being a genuine person. It's a relationship, it's a fully relationship-based business and, you know, not being able to kind of put yourself out there and, you know, be true to yourself while also being, you know, genuine in your communications with other people. It's just going to set you on the right foot moving forward and it's going to help you, you know, create an environment and create a network and create, um, you know, relationships that will be, again, uh, invaluable to you down the, down the line. Awesome. I really do hope the listeners take those tips on board. And look, Brian, how can people interact with you on social media? Yeah, so uh, I would follow me at just my name, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Rezepa, R-Z-E-P-P-A, and on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pretty much all of it. Um, so I think that, yeah, if anyone has any questions about working in sports, about writing a book, about getting published, anything like that, by all means, just reach out and I'll be, I'll be glad to help. Or if I can't help, I'll, uh, I'll direct you to someone that can. Awesome. To all the listeners listening in, all those social media links will be on my website related to this blog post. Brian, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. No, I appreciate you having me on. Wow. What an unbelievable podcast chat with Brian. I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, but most of all that you took some notes. Like for me, this is probably one of the best interviews I've done with regards to decoding the application process when starting a career in the sports industry, but also what it takes to really get those high level leadership positions of an organization. And with regards to Brian's book, which I'll leave a link in the show notes, you will get a better understanding of what it really takes. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a review. If you're just starting out, the first step is volunteering or just getting experience under your wing just to see if that's the job you want to do. Then step two is you've got to do the reps. You've got to get that consistency in that role or particular or that specific sector in the sports industry. So let's say you want to work in sponsorship. That's where you've got to be involved in that process of what it takes to work in sponsorship and understand that type of role by building the reps. And then finally, 
when you deliver results with your consistency and your persistence in that role, that's where eyeballs will be drawn into you with regards to bigger organizations who want to hire you. In this case, with regards to Brian's book, it was coaches who were getting that sort of director's role or head coaches. But it's the same principle going back to a sponsorship example. It could be head of sponsorship or director of sponsorship of part of a organization and that's when things get serious in regards to the application process or preparation and also being prepared for an interview Um, without a doubt you've got to be prepared as we mentioned in the podcast show any opportunity you want or you get there is some line of preparation you've got to do before you create that great first impression but with the higher roles relating to Brian's book there's an average I would say with all the people who've interviewed they will average at least three interviews with key stakeholders of that organization so it shows that there is this sort of process For them, the key decision makers, making sure they have made the right decision of that person for that big role. Look, I really do hope you find this helpful and really apply Brian's sports career tips to your sports career journey today and make it happen. But also, I'll be really grateful if this has been helpful to you. Please share it. Please leave a review. Please subscribe. And uh, I'll be appreciative of that and grateful for that as well. Have an awesome rest of the day and take action with your sports career journey. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Brian said, be open, be willing to learn all the time and do things outside your comfort zone. These three things are crucial towards your sports career success.